Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Building from the Bottom podcast. My name is Gareth Rafferty. I'm your host. And today we are joined by a young man, a similar age to me, called Max Mirho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> me and Max both met through LinkedIn, and pretty much straight away we jumped on a call and we haven't really spoke over probably about eight to nine months now. And so this podcast will be really interesting to catch up and to see what he's been up to, see what I've been up to and well, as much value and advice to you guys as possible. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we originally talked, it was like eight or nine months ago when I was starting. Um, We were both, I guess, first starting on uh, LinkedIn trying to experiment with content. It was during the summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a while ago. And since then, I've made a lot of progress. And I think you have too. I've seen you uh, like get a big boost on a lot of different social platforms. Um, and just like above all, experiment with the types of, types of content that we're creating. So. Yeah. So to start off with, Max, I'm going to give you a minute. And mm-hmm. you need to basically tell everyone that's listening who you are and how you got to where you are. Sounds good. I gotcha. Ready when you are. All right. So uh, my name is Max Mirho. I am a student at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm, I'm obsessed with entrepreneurship. And so the reason uh, that Gareth and I met um, was because I have, I was experimenting a while ago with a little series called Entrepreneur. And since then, I think I've done 30 episodes of it uh, through LinkedIn. So it's, it's just on LinkedIn, but I want to port it to other platforms as well. Uh, but the series is about how there are a lot of really big opportunities for little small projects just throughout your day. It doesn't mean you have to spend tons and tons of hours on a startup, but you can build a newsletter, you could build a community, you could um, experiment with a product in your free time. And there's a lot of opportunity for little projects like that. So yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> okay, that's that's amazing. Um, so you, you spoke about when you first started speaking um, how we met on LinkedIn and how we were both um, starting creating content and getting used to creating content, getting used to social media and mm-hmm. ourselves and building our personal brand and getting ourselves out there. So your entrepreneurship or entrepreneur series, what inspired you to start that? So I have always like, it kind of started where it started at the end of like sophomore year for college for me. So about two years ago. Um, I caught like, like I was studying and everything was going great and it was fun. Um, but I wasn't learning anything about entrepreneurship. I hadn't even taken any entrepreneurship courses yet by the end of my sophomore year. Um, even though I was in the entrepreneurship program. Uh, so I got a little annoyed and I went out and I started talking to people. So, because that was the only way that I could really figure out how I started to start interviewing local entrepreneurs and I was had no idea if I would get in contact with them but a bunch of them were willing to sit down with me I just shot off a couple of emails um, and I caught the networking bug and for the next summer for the next basically entire like eight months I want to say of the next year I was just obsessed with networking I was obsessed with meeting everybody I could talking to everybody I could interviewing everybody I could writing everything down Um, and I learned that's how I learned everything that I know about entrepreneurship Uh, but after a while I started realizing okay I'm not really doing anything I'm just learning and yeah. I know a lot and I know a lot of opportunities and I know a lot of amazing people that would help me or at least offer me some advice if I were to try to do something on my own. So I wanted to experiment with some stuff. Um, and I started experimenting with too much. I ran a little newsletter in school to try to connect students to 
um, local like internship opportunities at startups. I ran a little event series to try to get um, more students interested in uh, just talking to startups. So I would bring in speakers for tiny little events. Um, I experimented with affiliate marketing. I experimented with search engine optimization. I experimented with a blog. I experimented with videos like you saw. And I just couldn't decide. I would just get too excited about the little things and like the next little project and I would never focus on something. Um, and that's not necessarily bad. I learned a ton doing those projects and there's like I would never would have learned all of those different things. And now I have a lot of domain expertise in a lot of different fields just as a result of experimenting. But um, throughout that, I realized how much fun little projects can be. Um, my problem was that I couldn't focus on anything, but it doesn't take away from the fact that me experimenting with photography, experimenting with like, like running a lemonade stand could be a really, really valuable experience. So I decided to make a series about that um, on LinkedIn because I couldn't decide. I wanted to make a consistent series of content. I wanted to stick to something about entrepreneurship. Um, and it just made sense to do it about little projects, little projects that I was already doing. It would give me an excuse to experiment, to, to mess around, to, to mess up, to learn from things. Um, and I could do it all on camera and I could show other people what I'm learning. And that was really, really fun. And since then, I've transferred it more to a vlog kind of thing. But as soon as possible, I want to get back to the little projects um, to teach people how to, how to build something from nothing, even if it is really small. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying about how lots of people say that they can't get started because they've got a full-time job or they've got other commitments. But as, as you've just clearly said, that it's the, the little things and you can literally do it for an hour in the evening um, twice a week and you'll still see progress. It just might take a little bit longer than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I completely agree. Like a lot of my projects were just weekend things. Like I would work for two hours every weekend and I made significant progress. That's how I built a newsletter. And it like, it got a significant amount of subscribers. I understood how to do email marketing. I understood how to get attention. I like it's, I had to like do public speaking engagements to, to try to drive traffic to my newsletter. Um, like I learned all of those things just because I was just fiddling around on weekends and it was a really, really great experience. So yeah, there's, you, you always have time, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah. I find it quite interesting, actually. You said that at your college um, over the past few years, obviously you're doing entrepreneurship. Why do you think they couldn't teach you entrepreneurship? in the way that was applicable to today's world. Totally, totally. So I don't want to like crap on my school, but um, it just like for the first two years, it was just basic business classes. And that's understandable. Like I'm in the business program and with a focus on entrepreneurship. So it made sense, but I really, really wanted to learn entrepreneurship. Um, and so it was funny because by the time I ended up taking an entrepreneurship course, I had talked to so many people. I had like interviewed so many other entrepreneurs that I understood the process already and it was kind of boring to me. Uh, so they did teach me entrepreneurship and they did teach me a lot about it, but the better education for me was going out um, and talking to people. That's just how I learn in general. I don't think it's that they couldn't teach me entrepreneurship. I just think that being independent with your, your education, um, learning from mentors, learning from other people is probably going to get you a lot farther than any fancy school will. So yeah i completely agree and it doesn't matter whether you go to a private school or a public school uh, mm -hmm. going out there trying little things speaking to people that are in the industry at the moment um will definitely always have a larger impact 
Yeah, exactly. And it, like the point is, the point of that is like it doesn't matter if you go to an Ivy League school or a community college. Like it, it there's like education is so separated and everything like that. But it's just different people who have different opportunities and going out and interviewing somebody while you're a student, they're very likely going to say yes. Like the student card, playing the student card is really, really powerful. So it doesn't matter where you, like what university you go to. Um, if you just kind of step out of your comfort zone, shoot an email, try to find their email on their website um, and say, Hey, I'm a student. I would love to talk to you for like half an hour over coffee and learn about what you do, learn about entrepreneurship. And that's going to be unbelievably powerful for you. Um, so yeah, I think everybody has that opportunity at least to some degree and they should really take advantage of it. Yeah. I also think, um, in business at the moment, it's changing a lot because over the last 15 years, um, social medias came in and mm -hmm. social media platforms are in and out nowadays. I mean, Snapchat, lots of people are talking about Snapchat and that it's not innovative enough and that it's going to be dying soon. And two years ago, Evan, the owner, he was seen as a visionary. And I think it is really hard for businesses to keep up because if the world's constantly changing, they have no idea how to reach their target audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just like digital marketing as a whole is really, all, is really pretty recent. Like marketing before that was done completely differently. Like, okay, you would, um, you would send out a TV ad and those were super expensive or you would post like a billboard or you would try to do like word of mouth advertising where you would hire people to do direct sales. And those were essentially the only ways to advertise. It's the only way to get in front of people. And now we have social media. Now we have the internet. Now we have Google. Now we have Google ads. Now we have like advertisements posted everywhere, screens in public places. There's just like digital advertising is super, super powerful. And a lot of businesses, especially smaller ones, um, don't understand how to take advantage. And so, there's a lot of opportunity for people like us who at least have some basic understanding of social media um, to create value there if we want. And so that's actually what I'm trying to go into um, before I graduate. I'm trying to get into the digital marketing space. Yeah. Another problem with digital marketing, um, because of how low the barriers to entry are, it's extremely easy to get into. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you need is a laptop. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. You can manage someone's social media from Spain. You can manage it from France. You can manage it from Russia. You could be anywhere in the world and be managing a business's social media. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's actually part, like a big part of the reason that I want to get into it. So, yes, I understand social media. Like, I, I do pretty decent on LinkedIn. Um, I have a lot to learn about other platforms. But um, there's a really, really big appeal to being able to help businesses, especially startups. I love working with startups um, and being able to travel, being able to still experiment. I want that, even if I'm working a ton, I still want that time freedom to be able to conduct little projects, to experiment with other little things, to build up my series or to try a new series or like whatever it is. Um, just being able to experiment and throw yourself around. I want to maximize the amount of not free time, but flexible time that I have. Uh, because yeah, that's like, that's what I'm passionate about trying new little things, even if they're going to fail. Yeah. And that, that's actually really good because even if they do fail, you're still learning from them, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And no, I like, I've learned the most from the things that I've failed at. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the important part is failing and realizing where there's a lesson to be learned as opposed to complaining that you're, that, that you failed. 
Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I've, like I've I've messed up a lot. Like the reason that I didn't can pursue any of my little projects was because I failed at them. I didn't put enough energy into them, or like I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Like the and even if I didn't, like I still made progress. There was still traction there. It just didn't end up panning out into something huge, and that's okay. Like now I understand affiliate marketing. Now I understand search engine optimization. Now I understand how to experiment with those if they become more important for a larger business project in the future. Uh, so I'm not confused about it. I'm not scared about it anymore. It, it takes away the fear and it takes away kind of the, the confusion about everyday processes. And so you can, it's easier to picture going from zero to something bigger because now you understand all the little pieces. So, yeah, I get that. I really do. We, we briefly touched on, um, the fact that you were interested in going into the digital marketing space. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of or been a freelancer of any form? That's what I'm trying to do right now, actually. So I recently made a pretty big pivot. I was, I wanted to, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I left college. And so I had a bunch of ideas um, about like how I could sustain myself. There's a couple little projects that I'm working on right now that I might be able to do full time in the future, but that might be a little bit longer off than I thought. Um, so I, I know about digital marketing. I understand how social media works, especially LinkedIn. I understand like, it's not about how the algorithm works. It's about how people on the platform respond. And I understand that I feel. Um, So, and I've noticed more and more how valuable that can be to businesses, to startups, trying to build a community, trying to build a customer base, or just trying to like find business development partners um, in their same space um, and a presence and thought leadership. And I think LinkedIn is an awesome platform for that. And so I am, I am actually becoming a freelancer um, in the digital marketing space, hopefully in Pittsburgh, but I'm down to work with other people elsewhere um, because, again, I can do it remotely, uh, specifically in content creation or audience growth. And so I actually have two clients lined up already in Pittsburgh, like two really, really good friends of mine, two really awesome startups. Um, and so I'm really, really excited. Uh, and with a few more clients, I think I can actually sustain myself full time by the time I graduate. So that's like really, really ripping for me. I'm really, really into it. Yeah, that that's really good because I'm guessing the people that you said were your friends and are soon to be clients, mm-hmm. meet them through reaching out through email. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they like I originally came by them because uh, because of an event group that I'm running. Um, so yeah, like I ended up sitting down with them beforehand, and I I ended up talking and I'm meeting them at like multiple little networking events just kind of while I was out networking while I was out doing my thing. Um, and so yeah, no, it's been just because of those little connections, because of the little things, now I have clients and that's like, that's super, super awesome for me. And I have a bunch of other friends in the space that are also helping me find more clients. So no, it's just, it's really, really awesome. And I'm really, really excited. Um, and it wouldn't have happened without me getting out of my comfort zone and trying to learn things on my own and trying to network. Yeah. I've noticed that because recently, well, it's been just over January really. I've had, so many people contacting me through LinkedIn asking for help with the business, help with a project that they've got going on. And mm. I'm more than happy to help. I mean, it's great that people have got the confidence to approach and ask. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome. I get, I get requests like that pretty often um, too, just like you, because like we're kids, like we're, we, we show that we understand what we're talking about and people get really excited about that. Um, and so like, it's, I've been really, really cautious because I do need to focus on a lot like school. There's still, I still, still school. I'm graduating in May. Um, I'm running an event group in town. 
I'm building the entrepreneur series. I'm trying to do freelancing. I have a lot on my plate. And so I'm still super, super passionate about all these different little projects. Um, and I just, I want to get involved in all of them. But most of the time when people bug me or ask me or shoot me a message or hop on a call with me asking for either help or a partnership on a lot of their projects, um, I don't really have the bandwidth anymore to do that with them, mm. which is a big fat shame. Um, but yeah, I got, I've got to prioritize. I figured out that I wasn't going to get anything done if I didn't prioritize. Um, and I'm not like prioritizing a ton. I'm still doing like four different things, <laughs> but I, I had to like niche myself down a little bit. Otherwise I wasn't going to make progress because I just kept bouncing around and I couldn't do that anymore if I wanted to, to get somewhere with it. Yeah, that, that's actually something that I recently found out. Um, I noticed just before I moved to Madrid um, two weeks ago that people were asking me to do things and I've always been the type of person to say yes to everyone and mm -hmm. help and wants to gain opportunities because I always feel that if you take an opportunity, it usually leads to more opportunities. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't, you still usually learn something from it. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I reached a point where I, well, I had my assignments coming up. I had like three weeks till assignments. I had about six assignments to do. And I also had so many other projects going on. And I had to start turning people down. Not because I wanted yeah. to, but because I had to. And mm -hmm. it was a shame, but th that's something I've learned. The same as what you just said about learning to prioritize and learning that sometimes you can't help everyone. Yeah. yeah. And it sucks. Like I wish I had infinite time to kind of just experiment with everything. Cause that's like, that's what my series is about. I would, I would be able to, I would just learn so much and it would just be so much fun. And I would, like other people would learn with me. Um, but yeah, eventually we have to prioritize and I want to move back to experimenting. Um, I just need to get a little bit of a handle on uh, the other work that I'm doing. And once I do that, once I can like, kind of make a more formulaic process for how I'm doing my series, and I want to go back. I want to go back a little bit to exploring different opportunities to trying to build a podcast or trying to, you know, like put a little freelance station or like trying to do like, you know what I mean? Like just experimenting with different stuff. Um, I want to get back to that because that is so, so much fun. And I learned so, so much. Um, and the type of content and videos I was able to make was just, it was really fun. So I don't know. Like, I want to get back to that eventually, but right now I'm still definitely a little bit, overwhelmed with a lot of the things I'm working on so yeah it makes sense I mean especially because you've got your finals in May and I know from personal experience that the the last year of being at college is quite stressful and there's always a lot going on yeah yeah they're like uh, my schedule is actually I got lucky uh, my schedule has actually been pretty chill this semester so I have a lot of free time and I'm able to like start work and things like that but yes, there are still a lot of pressure. Yeah. There's still a lot of pressure to perform well in the classes that I am in, even if there aren't a ton, because they're, they're final classes. They're, they're, they're kind of like culminating in all of the things that I was learning in college. So yeah, there's still definitely a lot of pressure. Um, and I have to work hard. And so I don't want to completely overwhelm myself because the getting involved with every little thing is so much fun, but it just, it can drive you a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Earlier, you mentioned that um, a few months or years ago, you didn't really know what you wanted to do. I think yeah. there might be a few listeners in the audience that might benefit from you telling them how you found out what you wanted to do. 
Yeah, totally. Um, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, I still don't necessarily know what I want to do. I want. I know what I want to do for the next maybe couple of years. Um, that's the plan, uh, and we'll see where that takes me. But the way that I figured out that I wanted to get into the digital marketing space and, and do all of that stuff, um, and like build community and, and like experiment, like, like I'm again, like I'm doing like four things. So I don't know if it's like I've decided on what I'm going to do, but the way that I figured out all these, all like the potential for LinkedIn, the way that I figured out the potential for doing digital marketing as a freelance thing. Um, the way that I learned digital marketing, all of that was just done through these little experiments. And the reason I ended up sticking with digital marketing, the reason I ended up sticking with my event group in town, the reason I ended up sticking with my series was because those were all, those all started as little projects. But the second I saw that they had some serious traction that they had some serious potential and that it, like it was going somewhere and it didn't just seem exciting. Then I latched onto them and I made sure I was going to stick to them. So it was all about experimenting and throwing myself around and I screwed up a lot. I messed up a lot. And I didn't like all like, I think like 80% of my projects went nowhere. Um, and I just learned from them. Um, but the reason, the only way that I was able to figure out what I wanted to do or even have an idea of what I could do in the future was just by experimenting. Um, by testing little things out because I knew I wanted to start a business and I knew I wanted to run something. I just didn't know how or what. Um, so yeah. And like the same thing applies to jobs. The same thing applies to careers. If you can find an internship in a space that you're completely unqualified for, but you're interested in, then, Oh my God, do it. Like I, I did that for, I think every single one of my internships. Um, this past summer I did two, digital marketing internships and I had no absolutely no clue about how to digital market. I hadn't even taken a course on it. Um, so, but there's, there's a surprising amount that you can get your hands on or just take online courses, watch YouTube videos, or just toss up something like MailChimp. When I was starting my newsletter, that's free. You, MailChimp is a free tool. I just hopped on there. I looked up what, like, like what uh, software do you use for newsletters and MailChimp popped up and I was like, cool, let's try it. Free trial. And I experimented with that for like six months and I learned a ton about how all of that functions and I watched other newsletters and I watched everybody else do everything. Um, and I was able to apply that to my newsletter. And so, no, it was just, it's experimenting. It's getting out there, looking stuff up on Google, asking people, talking to people, just tossing yourself around until something sounds really, really exciting and then going and trying it um, in your free time, maybe an hour a week. It doesn't matter how long you spend on it. As long as you, experiment with a little bit um and then yeah and then it just made more sense for me to pay attention to certain projects because they had more traction or they seemed more interesting or they felt like they were more realistic than a lot of the other things i was doing so and it's so hard to do that it's so hard to prioritize once you get really obsessed with a lot of different things but no it just it's about experimenting and that's how you find what you're interested in what you're passionate about yeah i i i also have found out because Originally, I, I think back in high school, I wanted to be a games designer because at that time I really liked playing Xbox and I played every night for multiple hours. And then I started coding and I didn't like it. And so I set a goal to do something else that I researched and I found that it sounded interesting. And then I tried it and I didn't like it. So I moved on. And then that's how I got to digital marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, like I... Speaking of which, like I've, uh, I've wanted to be in the game design space forever. Like I know we're all we're all kids. Like we all, a lot of us play video games, and so we all love video games. We would all love to, to like test video games or like be in the process. 
But I think like, I don't know, there is real potential there. And I've done research into the space. And like, even if it is video games, even if it sounds like as cliche as like, oh, I'm a kid and I want to make video games because a lot of kids do. Yeah. Um, it's not cliche. It's fucking awesome. Like if you, if you can just talk to other video game designers, talk to people that have designed small games, like research them online, find really fun games that you like, try to get in contact with the developers, try to get in contact with the, the CEO of the company that built that little game, even if it's a small little indie company, you'll learn so, so much. And I've interviewed people in this space and it's just fascinating how they think and how they got into it. So yeah, just find something you're interested in and talk to people and go for it. Yeah. Talking about digital, um, not digital marketing, talking about like games designing, mm-hmm. coding for games designing is ridiculously difficult. It is, absolutely, yeah. Um, and that's unfortunately what turns a lot of people off to the space, and that's what turns me off to the space. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit spooky, um, but once you get to a certain point, there are a lot of like, the way that I was planning on getting into it, I almost tried to, like, I tried to get my friend group together. One of my little projects was I was trying to get my little friend group together and meet, like, once a week. We would all hop on a program to try to code out this game. Um, a little game that we had designed and we thought about and we loved. Uh, and we were all really, really excited about it. And it, of course, never went anywhere just because that, that's how it happens. Um, it's hard to keep people together and it's hard to get everybody consistently interested. Yeah. Uh, but, it, it, like, it could have worked. And if it worked, then we, holy crap, we would have had a game. But the way that we did it was we tried to take like the least coding approach possible. And so we reached, we researched like programs that make it really easy to code games. So there was like Game Maker. Um, that's a pretty diverse and uh, accessible program. There was a free trial. And so we all hopped on the free trial and we started experimenting with how that works. We looked up tutorials and we looked up all these different things. And it's not like glamorous or exciting, but if you're working with people that are also passionate about it and you start with an infrastructure so you don't have to like code everything from like scratch, yeah. um, it's actually not too spooky, but it's still a pain in the butt. Like not, like not everything is going to be fun. The process is going to be fun. Like seeing yourself progress is going to be fun. Writing a newsletter for me wasn't fun. It was a pain in the butt, but watching people respond to my newsletter was like, super exciting. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bet the satisfaction the the satisfaction you get out once you've put in months and months of work of mm-hmm. backwards and forwards, and then you see your finished product on the screen. That must be really, really satisfying. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I would love to. Like video games have just always been a really, really big passion for me. Like I think designing stories in a fun way, even if it's just like a simple little indie game, like a little pixelated. Um, whatever like I've played some amazing games that are just super super fun for me and yeah. so it's not about like making it super pretty or being unbelievably clever with like how you code you don't have to be a genius it's just like trying to create a good story once you get the basics down and so like I've like one of the things that I've always wanted to start is an indie game company um, and I hope to do that in the future at some point because I just have mad respect for a lot of people that have made really really smart very simple games so yeah so it's just such a fun space and the community is so cool it really is i mean games that are simple the first one for me that comes to mind is flappy bird yeah no like that's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that's it probably took the guy like i think it was one developer i think one guy did that um and he ended up blowing out um like it ended up being like a like a cultural phenomenon it was a little bit crazy um but like he created an interesting game he found a way to engage people and make people feel competitive with a really really simple system um and he made it silly he made it cute it was like it was nicely designed 
um, and it didn't piss people off. Well, it did piss people off, and that's why they liked it. But I don't know, it was just it's super simple game, one guy, um, and yeah, it didn't take him that long. I don't think so. I think we can all learn from like that's a great example. Another game that I like. Um, I don't know. There's a game online. Um, I don't think anybody has ever played it. It's a simple little RPG called Mardek. Um, M-A-R-D-E-K. Um, it's just this simple, tiny little... I think it's coded by one guy. Uh, he just does it in his spare time. And it takes him a while because he builds out these really expansive worlds. Yeah. But he, it's just a little RPG. It's like Final Fantasy. It's like Pokemon. It's like everything else. Um, but it's just so much fun. Like I just I enjoy it so thoroughly because it's just the story and the storyline and the conversation between characters and everything is just so silly and stupid and and it doesn't take itself seriously and it's just for fun and you can tell all of that all of that personality from the developer comes through in this simple baby little game um, and as a result it's just tons of fun so I don't know there's a lot of potential to just be really really simple with stuff um, but create a really really powerful game or product. Speaking about things being simple um, and things being quite minimal, have you ever read the book Minimalize to Maximize by Jake Melton? I have not, no. But I, like, I've, I've watched some documentaries on minimalism and I, I understand the concepts. I am probably not a minimalist. I would like to be. But no, I haven't read the book and I haven't done too much research on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got him on LinkedIn and a few months That's ago awesome. about being on the podcast. And... We, we couldn't figure out how we were going to record it. And so I had to turn him down. But now I know about Zoom. I can mm-hmm. even, So hopefully he'll be a guest in the next few weeks. That's I've, awesome. I've actually got his book, which is on my reading list. I've got it here with me in Madrid. That's really cool. Um, one of the other things that you've been doing a lot recently is traveling. Would you like to tell everyone about some of the different places you've traveled and why you decided to travel there? Yeah, totally. Um, so I hadn't really traveled too much before recently. Um, during high school, I traveled to Canada a bunch and that was cool, but that like compared to the U S there's not like a massive difference. So it wasn't like super spooky or anything, yeah. um, but I still learned a lot. Um, when I was much younger, I traveled to, uh, Belize, which is in central America. And that was a really like interesting experience. I learned a ton from that. That was with my dad when I was much younger. I think I was either 10 or 12. Um, but uh, that was a while ago, and that was while I was still really young, so it was hard to, to kind of like take everything in. Um, mm. Recently, I did a big, fat um, series of plane trips over winter break. I had five weeks over winter break. Um, I first went to hang out with my dad in Portland, Oregon. That was cool. Then I went to Miami, Florida, and that was really fun. I got to hang out with some of my friends. And afterwards, I went to L.A., but in between that, I went to South Korea for two and a half weeks. Yeah. So that was a, like a really, really big chunk of time. Um, I was there with my best friend, Andrew, uh, and it was like spooky, like to say the least, because I don't know, like you kind of told me that you were encountering some of the similar thing. Like it's a completely different language. Um, people there still spoke English to a certain degree, a few of them. Um, yeah. Like if I walked into a Starbucks and I like asked the barista, they would probably be able to understand me. Um, and so that was like, I was really fortunate that I was in a place that, <clears throat> couldn't understand me at least some to some degree, but for 99.9% of the people, they like, they just had no interest in English and it wasn't important for them because they like, nobody speaks English in Korea. Everybody speaks Korean. Yeah. Um, so it was, 
very spooky not just the language barrier but just like the culture everything it was really really interesting to see like south korea felt kind of dystopian compared to the u.s um just because of like how they function they function in different ways and it wasn't bad it just felt really spooky to me um given what i expect from american society and what i expect from the u.s so yeah no it was it was mind opening and i really really want to go on more travel experiences i really want to travel to more places and hopefully if i can build out a digital marketing kind of freelance set um, of clients then then i can do that um, while i'm working and i can experience different places that's the hope but um yeah. we will see we will see if i can achieve that <laughs> so why did you decide to go to korea in the first place uh me and my friend andrew had been trying to plan some sort of a trip and so since he's from south korea um his family's there they all like i've, I've like met them over like facetime and i've met them when they've come to to university to, to hang out with andrew and so that was all a really comfortable thing and we're besties and i hadn't really done much travel and so we wanted to make a trip where i would come out and i would visit him and i would hang out with him yeah um and we would wanted to plan that for like two years it wasn't necessarily like oh i have like i can choose between um like the UK and Korea and China and like, I don't know, like uh, let's say Madrid um, where you are right now. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, it wasn't like I had a choice. It was just that I wanted to go hang out with Andrew and I thought like he's, he knows his way around and he would be able to show me around and his family's super cool. And we're all super tight. And so um, we've been trying to make that happen for a while, but yeah, it just ended up working out and it was expensive and it was like, it was spooky, but it was super, super worth it. So, yeah, I, I I definitely get that. I I walked into a shop the other day and all I wanted was batteries um, (laughs) for my alarm clock. And I asked a woman in Spanish if she spoke English and she said yes, but then I I said batteries to her and she just couldn't understand. So, from across the other side of the shop had to shout her and say what it was in Spanish, which it's Pila. And so the Google Translate failed me on that one. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the words were the same, but then it turns out that they weren't. So Google Translate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. That you're, you're being a lot braver than me. You're walking into places and using Google Translate and hoping it works. The only reason I was able to get around was because Andrew was tagging along the whole time. And so whenever I had to buy something, he would like buy it for me or he would like watch over my shoulder to make sure I was doing it. Okay. Like I had a lot of help. Um, and so it wasn't that scary for me, but that's, that's brave as hell. That's brave as heck of you to just kind of throw yourself into it. That's super exciting. Yeah. The good thing about Madrid is that there's a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that, come here for studying like from abroad and so mm-hmm. there is a lot of people that speak english and also mm-hmm. um the younger generation um most of them know how to speak english at least basic english so that interesting interesting that's really cool yeah it seems like that uh like english um english classes and things like that were really really popular in uh korea because um yeah, like it's just it's like it's become a really important language all over the world, um, and I feel like that's unfair to everybody else uh, yeah. because all I know is English and I don't have, I get to be kind of lazy about it. But um, no, yeah, I think it's I think it, 
<clears throat> thank goodness because otherwise like traveling would be a lot harder for us yeah it really really would it's it's really weird i mean me going to madrid i I wasn't bothered. I, I just saw it as just a trip for a long period of time. But I knew when I stepped off the plane and I started walking to places and jumping on their metro, I knew that it would start to hit me. And it definitely has. I mean, I, I go into a local corner store and I ask for simple things. And it, it is quite difficult. And like, I, I tried to buy, well, I wanted to make a bolognese, like a, a spaghetti bolognese. And it it failed really, really bad. Everything <laughs> worked together. I didn't like the cheese. I didn't like the sauce. And the meat wasn't the proper meat. It was burger meat as opposed to mm-hmm. um, minced beef. <laughs> experience. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still you're you're learning and you're experiencing things, and like that's even if it ends up like sucking, like that's still a cool story to tell. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's always a positive thing or it ends up being really beneficial in terms of learning. Yeah. But yeah, like everything, everything just ends up collapsing and messing up. Same thing happened to me. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm quite happy I came by myself because it's forced yeah. me to learn more Spanish. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's just super brave of you, honestly. Like I, I haven't done anything like that, and I want to at some point, but yeah, I was kind of a baby about it. I, got, I had a, basically a tour guide the whole time because of Andrew, so... Yeah, that's that's super fun. Like that, you're learning a ton, and you're gonna like once you get back to the way that I see it is like it's almost like uh, um uh, what's the term? It's almost like exposure therapy. Yeah. Because if you're if you're scared of something, like just kind of forcing yourself into it, or you, like like you said, like if you want to learn Spanish, like kind of just forcing yourself into it, um, where that's the only thing you can really do, makes it a lot quicker to learn and it's very uncomfortable and it's not like it's not always fun but you learn so fast and you get to tell all these stories and you get to learn all, like it's it's mind opening in kind of a, a spooky way um yes and so like it's it's also like it feels like you're on another planet or like you're in a completely different environment like you are in a completely different environment you basically are on another planet but once you get back to like regular society and everybody speaks english again it's like like everything feels like it's almost like too like easy or it's like, it's, it's almost like boring um, just because everything was so exciting and so difficult to manage um, when you're in a, like a, a different place. So I like, I don't know, I think of it like exposure therapy. Like it makes you, makes you tougher. It makes you smarter. Just yeah. You have to think on your feet always. You have to experiment. Definitely. And it's, the, the one thing I've noticed is um, I, I went to Five Guys with my girlfriend who came over to see me. Mm-hmm like four days and they called out my number to go and collect the burger but mm-hmm. because we don't know well I don't know many Spanish numbers and my girlfriend doesn't really speak Spanish so I had to do most of the talking for her and translate whenever anyone came over um, whenever they sh- whenever they shouted out like 86 or whatever mm-hmm. it was quite difficult and so <laughs> watching them make our burgers and counting how many people were waiting, so we knew when to get our burgers. So that was <laughs> funny. That's fun. I like that. That's cool. Like, like that's you're being clever. Like you're even if you don't understand the language or you can't like recognize the numbers, I would be able, I would be doing the same thing. I would be watching for my for my order and like watching the number of people that are going by and like recognizing what numbers I could and trying to use those as base points. So yeah, like you got to be smart with it. You got to be 
um, you got to be clever in order to kind of get by. It's fun. Yeah, it it really is. And it was quite funny that once because we went into um, like a, a drugstore and I was behind my girlfriend and someone came and spoke to her because she was looking at makeup and I didn't hear what the woman said. So my girlfriend, not knowing any Spanish, she, did, she just had to say English and, and that's the only word she said. And then the woman luckily knew English. Huh. I mean, it was quite funny because I don't know Spanish in any form, mm. uh, but I know some words. I mean, I've been teaching myself for about six months on an app, but it doesn't compare to being native in the language. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the fact that I know a few words, I can usually work out what someone's saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really crazy. <laughs> what app do you use? Um, is it maybe like Duolingo? Or? Yeah that's the app that I use. I use Duolingo and it's, it's really good. And they've added a cool. feature now, so it gets competitive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually, I've met the founder of that company. He's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a, the, the home base for Duolingo. Um, cool. So, and that's probably their like one really, really big startup here because they've done super, super well. Um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. I got to try Duolingo out because um, I wanted to experiment with maybe like, maybe Spanish, probably French. Um, just so I can, so I can maybe travel to France. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really fun. Fantastic. Yeah. It's really weird though. I mean, I think Spanish sounds more English than France, than French does. Yeah, for sure. I, I've noticed that too. Like, um, I went to, uh, when I was in Miami, um, my friend, my hosts, uh, um, my host's family really only like they spoke some English, but it was mostly, um, it was mostly Spanish for sure. And, uh, so we kind of like, we, they, like they knew, and we also had like translators and so it wasn't a big deal, but it was still like spooky. And like there were some like words we could like maybe understand. Um, just because like they are pretty similar like languages, but that was kind of, it was funny cause that was like the first step, um, to me just being like completely spooked and out of my mind because, yeah. Like I was in Miami for a week and like, okay, most people were speaking Spanish and I had to like, okay, but like you also probably know English. So it wasn't that big a deal. Um, and then I was in Korea and nobody spoke English. And so I had to kind of like deal with that. Um, so it was kind of like a little adaptation process, but yeah, no, it's, I think Spanish definitely sounds a lot like English and it might, it like, it's not that it's going to be easy to learn, but probably compared to most other languages, it's a little bit easier. So yeah it it definitely is i found it a lot easier um than when i was learning um french in school but i, I suppose it's because you're learning it in school mm-hmm. Which, yeah exactly okay so just before we end the podcast um it's something that i i did last week and it worked really well so it's something i'm going to ask you if there's one piece of advice you could give to the listeners what would it be um, I think I'm going to fall back on what I was saying before. I like, I think experiment. Um, and if you don't know how to experiment, then email somebody in the space that knows what they're doing and ask their advice, ask to hop on a call or get coffee with them or if they're nearby. Um, but that you can find anybody on the internet. You can find anybody's contact information on the internet. Use LinkedIn, just send them a personal message. Say, Hey, I'm really interested in what you do. Um, I would love to hop on a call and learn from you. 
because I want to get into the same space. Uh, use the student card, use everything you possibly can to get in touch with people uh, until you understand what it means to like build something in that space. And then once you do have a basic understanding of it, try it and then do that with everything you're interested in until you find something that's super, super exciting or builds a little bit of traction and then just run with it. Um, and like, honestly, you're gonna learn way more than school has ever taught you. You're going to build a really, really powerful network and like a lot of amazing things will happen and you'll be really surprised. So that's my advice. That's amazing. And if anyone wants to contact you or find out more about you, where can they look? Totally. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest place to contact me. Um, <clears throat> that would be uh, LinkedIn. Like, just like type in Max, M-A-X, uh, Mirho, M-I-R-H-O. And I should pop up as uh, hashtag entrepreneur um, towards the top. But yeah, like, just shoot me a message. Shoot me a, like a personalized invite. I don't always accept every connection request because I get a lot. So uh, send me a personalized connection request and I would love to talk. And if, like, if it doesn't work on LinkedIn, you can find me on Instagram at um, entrepreneur underscore nerd. So it's just like entrepreneur, but with an underscore and then a nerd. So just message me on there, follow me on there. Um, and if I can help in any way, feel free to contact me. I would love to talk. Okay, that's amazing. I will tag all of those contact details down below. My name is Gareth Rafferty. This has been the third episode of Chapter 2, Building from the Bottom. Max Mirho has been the guest. Thank you all for listening.